0: Welcome to the Always Be Comedy Podcast. My name is James Gill. I am the MC at the multi award winning comedy nights, Always Be Comedy. I'm joined, as always, by my comedy husband, Always Be Comedy's very own, Tim Lewis. Hello, Tim Lewis. Hello, James Gill. The Always Be Comedy Podcast is where we sit down with a guest and they curate what would be their dream comedy gig, who would open. Who would close? What sort of gigging nightmare that they've experienced must not under any circumstances happen at this fantasy comedy gig. It's all this and so much more. And by so much more, we often mean quite a lot of gossip. Hello, welcome to the After the Lord Mayor's show edition of the Always Be Comedy Podcast. The Edinburgh Festival, the horse has it's bolted, it's it's done a lap, actually. It's not just Bolted. But nevertheless, here we are with the much-promised, much-talked-about bonus episode of uh, the Always Be Comedy podcast as we look back at the Edinburgh Festival. I'm joined, as always, by my comedy husband, the maestro Tim Lewis. Now, Tim, there's even more pressure on you today because you are, and I've said it before, you are Johnny Edinburgh. Uh, (laughs) So anecdotally, as we look back, you would actually
1: say two thumbs up. I think it's a double thumbs fringe. Yeah, it's a really good one. I think if we're going to go straight into it, I think, I guess there's a few factors. Last year was quite quiet, and Venver just wasn't a proper fringe for three years previous. So this is the first, let's call it, proper everyone back fringe for five years. And you know what? I loved it. I had a lovely time. Uh, shows shows felt very busy. Lovely atmosphere, walking into everyone all the time. Lovely. Just, you know what? Great vibes for, <laughs> at least for me and the people I was talking to.
0: Well, but I would say it's so your headline, but not just you. Uh, but as you say, people that we chat with, people who we socialise with, WhatsApp and so on. The headline would be, the fringe is back comma baby.
1: <laughs> yes, comma baby brackets, I think, question mark. Oh, Tim, as always, the cherry
0: on top. Uh so what so what had happened, dear listener, was Tim and I, throughout the festival, and we, we have touched upon it in the in, in recent weeks, it felt like the fringe was back, baby, you know, reports of its death greatly exaggerated by people like me, I hasten <laughs> I hasten to add but Tim has flagged uh, recently that when you actually scratch the surface, there have been quite a few people, Tim, where the good vibes hadn't quite reached their shows.
1: Yeah, of course. Um, it was still classic fringe with, unfortunately, a lot of performers having to pull shows due to lack of audience or just performing to 12 old people who don't necessarily want to be there. It's still... A classic fringe in that way where it's going to be highs and lows for lots of different people. I know several performers who had excellent reviews across the board, and for whatever reason, they just didn't translate to numbers this year. So that was an interesting change. Like press, press feels important, and PR is still very expensive and appears to be important, but I'm not sure it's always translating. So it's very hard to tell, really, what happens next.
0: Now, as we've we've had some we we have had correspondence on this exact subject, Tim. The thing that I know I'm not saying anything new here, but where the big red flags are being waved is still accommodation because we, what we can't do is come on here and both go. The fringe is perfect. Everything's but I'm, I'm not saying that we're, that is what we're doing, but fringe is perfect. Everything's back to normal. Uh, see you next year guys the the big thing that that comedians uh, and audience members flag hugely is the accommodation thing is there any any update any news on those costs getting any tinny shaking his head on <laughs> on those getting any better
1: I don't that's the thing I don't think so so whilst yes being very positive and stuff but people are still shelling out. Outrageous amounts of money, thousands of pounds minimum, just to stay in. Uh, in my experience, a very small box room with a hard bed and a rubbish shower.
0: And the thing is, I'm not I'm not defending these guys, but if you were a landlord up there and you might you might let's say you're a landlord in Edinburgh listening to this, and you might think, Yes, the right thing would be to rent my place out at an affordable price, but the thing is. If every single person, if if, if if almost everyone else isn't doing that, then you're not, you you making that gesture isn't going to make, it's not even going to make a
1: dent, is it, really? Sadly not. No. Thousands of people come up to a fringe. I think it might even be more than that. It's Tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of people go through Edinburgh in the month of August. So one landlord letting out one room for a family for an acceptable amount. Unfortunately, it won't make a difference. And I don't really know what can be done, certainly on a small scale. You sort of have to hope, you know, the government get involved. But I don't really know if that's. A... No,
0: but I was thinking yeah, because, but then the government can't go, all right, guys, now we're going to put a cap on those rent prices. I just don't, I don't know how you would implement it.
1: No, me neither. And like this gets said a lot. It's, it is bad in the month of August, but. It remains a very expensive place to rent all year round and there's lots of people who live in edinburgh and have to struggle with that constantly so yeah i don't want to be (laughs) billy showbiz coming in (laughs) and saying it's outrageous for us performers and us performers alone it's very bad for residents of edinburgh all year round but in august it goes Mad goes absolutely mad, the rates people are paying just to perform. And then also, if you I'm not, def- not defending the landlords, no, no. but seems to be
0: saying that a lot. Maybe I'm an Edinburgh landlord. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> um, if you are <laughs> get in touch next year. <laughs> uh on my rates. Um, if you are you might be thinking, well, hang on a minute, this, this is capitalism, it happens everywhere. And the thing that springs to mind, it ha- Wimbledon, yeah. tennis, people do the exact same, they vacate their, their house for those two weeks and the rent is potty because they do know that people are prepared to pay. God, it breaks my heart even saying that out loud. Well, look, the the rent thing, there's nothing we can do about that. But in terms of a performer thing, what we've heard is, Tim, I would say that this year's Edinburgh from a performer feedback point of view went so well that it will probably inspire more comedians to come back or to make that debut next year
1: I hope so I had a really fun Edinburgh and that felt like that was across the city in fact I genuinely can't really think of anyone I bumped into and I bumped into a lot of people who were having a terrible time whereas I remember last year there were several performers leaving early to go home and just be like sod this I know it's the second week but I'm not doing a full month here I'm going home
0: Last year sounded awful. (laughs) This year, I mean, it sounded like nights and days. Is that that's not much of an exaggeration?
1: No, it's not. No, it's not. There was an article came out this week saying ticket sales were up eleven percent, which I think that is a lot in a single year.
0: Um, So so we 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 talked about this stat. This eleven percent. we were both I'm putting words in tim's mouth we were surprised that that number actually wasn't a lot higher but that's based on the dudes we know whereas as we as we've already alluded to there's a lot more performers there so that so that 11 when you think about it it's actually quite that is quite an impressive jump up
1: yeah I think so um I guess last year there were <laughs> we talked about there were about six shows that everyone went to go see and then almost everyone else sort of got left behind a little bit um but this year this year i found very encouraging because the amount of new acts that were able to extend their run and put on bonus shows it was so wonderful and heartwarming i think it's really exciting the amount of i new acts who haven't been doing comedy that long um, but have built up an online presence they've been able to Extend their run and pull on extra shows. I think that's such a cool thing, and I just don't remember happening last year.
0: And that's something we, I won't spoil it, but we've we've got a guest on this Tuesday on the the regular pod, and we actually we she takes on a bit of a deep a deeper dive on that and how comedy's changed in that regard. Tim, shall we have some correspondence? Yes, please. Well, so we reached out to some uh, what we would call always be comedy comedians on an anonymous basis, because some opinions are punchy and they probably won't want them repeated. So one ABC act, and you've got to trust us on, uh, we're talking punchy caliber here, exact words on whether they would do it again. No way, unless I absolutely had to, because my career had tanked and I needed to reinvent myself. (laughs) Wow. So now now that is a person whose career is in rip-roaring form, and also this is someone who had their big breakthrough away from Edinburgh. So uh, so they're not being uh, captain negative there. I guess they're saying that they're, they did it a different way, so why would they put themselves through that? And then also, Tim, this is the thing, we were chatting with a comedian just the other day, and they used the word toxic, and a lot of comedians do find that experience... Um, corrosive when it comes to the old mental health.
1: Yes. Edinburgh is still very... cliquey. is possibly too harsh a word, but everyone's certainly in their, their own groups, and these groups will mix every now and again, but I can imagine if you're not in a certain gang, you might... Yeah, you might not be loving it. And yeah, those industry bars are like an absolute hive of gossip and toxicity. So, you know.
0: I mean, I know one household name, Always Be Comedy favourite, deliberately didn't live in Edinburgh for the whole month. They lived outside of Edinburgh. They travelled in. They did their show. They put their coat on, and they went back to where they were living outside of Edinburgh and deliberately... Did not step foot inside a bar for the whole month, and you know what? They're one of the sanest people I know, (laughs) and also very successful and never struggled with uh, jealousy. There is, and it's easy said than done. But I would say to any performers listening who are thinking about doing Edinburgh, that (laughs) can't say who it is. Trust me, if I was to do it again, Tim, I I personally was never my bag. That is that was actually how I played it. my cousin lived in Edinburgh and I did the, I basically copied what that person told me and I went in I mean I don't drink anyway but went in did my shows went home watched always sunny in Philadelphia <laughs> I? but I mean it, it's it's easier to send the number but there, but just to protect my brain <laughs> that was how I did it Tim. Couple of other bits from uh similarly. Oh, this is here's a nice positive one. Another big ABC favorite. I would definitely do it again. No idea when. So now that the reason why that is encouraging is because that is uh that's a that's a big telly name saying that. So I still I still think the the big dogs, if you like, s- some of them will still go back. Uh we've had a few more like that from ABCs. Another act says uh not not for more than one night. Now, that is something that we saw this year, Tim. Some of the bigger names will go in, maybe do one or two shows. So I guess they're getting a flavour of the Edinburgh experience and then getting the heck out of Dodge. There's
1: something to be said for that. Yeah, you know what? It's uh, The guest on next week's episode talks about it sort of like a summer camp sort of thing. So a lot of the big names, I think... They, there's no pressure for them to do the full month. So they'll come in, they'll do a week or two of either the tour show they uh, had perfected for over a year, or they're at the very start of building up a new tour. So I would think of a few acts who came in and did uh, their last year's show, uh, and they did very well, they just did that for a week, lovely. And I know certain acts who... Did very low key early, early in the day work in progresses where they can just, they don't need to worry about reviewers, they don't need to worry about any nonsense, any gossip, don't even have to have posters up they can just hide away in a little room in, I won't say venue um, <laughs> but they, they, <laughs> they can, it's very low key and it's so much less pressure on than for example someone doing their debut hour in one of the what they call the big four venues yeah and i ran to a few of them and they seem to enjoy this low-key approach and i think this is sort of what the fringe was once upon a time
0: tim now this 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 is a great bit of correspondence and it's a it's quite a spicy meatball um let's do it tim kate writes Kate writes, why is the festival not the guaranteed success in terms of TV, touring, etc., that it used to be? My partner and I went through past winners, and what is striking is how many winners and nominees from, say, the 90s are all megastars. And, and this is not a criticism, the same isn't necessarily true across the past 15 years. And so, right... That is a really that is a really good bit of correspondence as Tim and I uh, uh, stand on this uh, diplomatic tightrope. But what it did do it, it it encouraged Tim and myself to go through to, to see what Kate was talking about. And oh, I mean, Tim, let's just I mean, we can we'll name a few names from the nineties. Yeah. If you look at if you look at say nineteen ninety one, the winner Frank Skinner. And then among the nominees, Jack D, Eddie Izzard, Lily Savage. I mean, it's it's absolutely jaw-dropping. The following year, Steve Coogan, the winner uh, in character with John Thompson, one of the nominees, Joe Brand. <laughs> uh and, and Mark Thomas. The following year, Lee Evans wins it uh among the nominees. Uh Corky and the Juice Pigs, obviously uh, Phil Nickel, uh Phil Kay. Greg Proops the f- I mean, so I can, I can go, we can go on and on and on but through the 90s you will see the likes of Harry Hill, uh, Al Murray, Jenny Eclair, Armstrong and Miller, Bill Bailey, <laughs> Rich Hall, Dylan Moran, The League of Gentlemen, Milton Jones, Graham Norton, Johnny Vegas, <laughs> Tommy Tiernan, Ed Byrne, Peter Kaye, Right and on and on and on and on. Right and we miss. It. By the way, if you're listening, going you, you missed out. Blah blah blah. Yeah, we 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 missed out some absolute some absolute hitters there. Uh, but Tim, I think I think Megastar isn't. <laughs> yeah, I'd say that was a very accurate use of 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 Megastar. And so the, the the conclusion we we've come to. And look, when you go through the past fifteen years, there are still some absolute mega powers, but. Tim, I would say that, and it pains me to say this. There's just not the same. Tell me I'm wrong. There's not the same quantity of comedy on TV, and the relationship between the viewer and comedy on TV is also markedly different in the age of screen, uh, <laughs> screaming in the age of streaming, TikTok, YouTube, etc. So I remember take League of Gentlemen. That came on television when I was at university. I was, like, perfect age. And so me and my housemates would quite literally – It was, that was event television. We would stay in and watch The League of Gentlemen, and, you know, those dudes are sort of, like, in our DNA now for the rest of our lives. I'm not sure that the viewer – beyond, say, a succession – I don't know if the viewer does that anymore, Tim.
1: Yeah, it's so tr- – it's very tricky. And my answer is going to be me thinking out loud – and we'll see what we'll see what comes out. Um, the whole entertainment industry in general has changed. Um, entertainment industry's changed. Viewing figures are yeah. are a fraction of
0: of what they used to be. And I know that, listening, you probably know what I'm going to say. Malcolm Wise used to get twenty odd million viewers, yes. for, whereas I know for a fact that if a show gets a couple of million that now is that's regarded as whoa they are they're serious numbers you know um th- so it's more like the world has changed the viewing habits have changed and also Tim yeah I'm I'm, so, I'm sort of loath to uh uh pick out people of recent years but let's let, we have to pick out someone such as Rose matafeo wins it in 2018 and has gone on to have international <laughs> super hits starstruck so there are still i get i do get what kate is saying because those names i've mentioned we could probably name multiple hit tv shows you, you know pick out say peter k harry hill we, you know we're talking uh national treasure people who've had jaw-dropping careers for 20 30 plus years so i get i get where Katie's coming from uh, tim have we have we have we answered
1: that properly, or I'll, I feel like I've, I've almost chickened out of the answer? <laughs> well, there's, there's this could probably be an hour-long conversation in itself. Uh, even things like in the nineties, there were, you know, five channels. Uh, these days, there's I can think off the top of my head now there are five dedicated comedy channels on cable and so on. So it's just it's just so much harder to point. Everyone towards one thing, I think.
0: Um, And the days of a family settling down to watch, say, TV burp. Yeah, I I don't know what. Tell me, I'm wrong. I don't know what. I don't know. I don't know if that's the thing anymore. In fact, this is a a random reference, but there's a there's a new Sean Apple called Platonic, Seth Rogen and Rose Byrne, and there is a gag uh, in one of the episodes, and the family in it, Rose Byrne's family. They're all squabbling over what's to watch on the television and Rose Byrne and I'm, I'm Rose Byrne in this sketch, loves the idea of the family all sitting together, agreeing on a thing and she wants them all to watch a thing communally and then jump cut and each member of family is watching a different thing on their own tablet. <laughs> in that sketch, my wife and I were watching it and went, oh, thank God, we thought we were the only ones that did that sort of thing. So I guess there is an element of that as well. Uh if i said to, if i said to emily and the kids let's all settle down and watch a, a family comedy together it's never it's never going to happen in a million years what but what I would say tim though is in terms of stand up i think that and we talk about the golden generation a lot a lot of the dudes who we knock about with or as jenny says of the past say 10 15 years i would say that those guys have had more than comparable success when it comes to tours and so on
1: yeah absolutely they they're just going in different ways in the 90s arena comedy was a very rare thing and a very new thing it didn't really didn't really happen much whereas if you look at like the listings of Wembley Arena VO2 and so on there's comedians there most every month it will be comedians there every month selling it out there's more. There's farm. There's more comedy clubs these days. Uh, there's people like well, l- we'll lead with us. Uh, there's people like uh, Angel and Top Secret. We're all able to put on multiple shows a night if needs be. I think
0: a lot of it comes back to this, Tim. You and I pine for the days we w- we wish that there was comedy on television. And I'm old enough to remember, say, the Mary Whitehouse experience. uh, as I say, TV burp, Phoenix Nights, The Office, Garth Marenghi. You know, we could we could Boosh. We could go on and on and on. And unfortunately, though, the, is there the epic? I don't know, man. Ultimately, it's a. And I'm going to bring it into football management. It's a numbers game, and these days, I think there's so much pressure on TV shows to get eyes on the screen in a way that perhaps there wasn't. And so, if I wonder if. TV can't take the gambles that it used to take. And so some shows, some of those beloved shows that I've named, probably weren't troubling the scorers in terms of breaking TV viewing figures. But, you know, they perhaps had enough of a dedicated following to justify their position. Whereas these days, there is more onus on you've got to get the viewing figures, you've got to get the viewing figures. And so those risks, those sorts of shows... Tim and I, I suppose ultimately, we're almost like shouting at the rain, aren't we? There's th- things aren't going things to change from a, a, a TV perspective. If we were to name 10 of our favourite comedy shows from the 90s, heartbreakingly, those kinds of shows don't
1: get made anymore. No, unfortunately not. Like, when you think of, like, the modern-day sketch show, there's not really many, There's I Think You Should Leave.
0: I think that's a great example. I Think You Should Leave is a great example. It's American. It's on Netflix. I, 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 this isn't me wagging a finger at, at the TV industry. I'm, I'm defending the TV industry. If you can't, you know, unfortunately, if, if you're not getting enough viewing figures, it, it's tricky. But I think of other great, like, great sketch shows from when I was younger. Uh, a bit of Fry and Laurie. I mean, Jesus wept. 10 out of 10 sketch show. Armstrong and Miller. I still I still watch those uh, shows now. But I, I'm guessing, Tim, they would be expensive to make
1: these days. When I think of the sketches of <laughs> the most of the sketch comedy I see it's on it's on Instagram, Twitter like it's social media stuff it's people doing their own thing and look at I mean foil arms and hog yeah but absolute angels lovely lovely
0: boys uh, done ABC a few times that's a prime example you know, one of them might be wearing a hat. That's probably, that's about as, it's almost as, I'm sure there is one where they're, they're, they might have thrown a bit of budget, but I'm, I'm saying that as a compliment. They, they've, they've made it happen themselves. They, off the back of their brilliant, hysterical, viral sketches. But what I'm saying is a lot of them, it's just the sketches are being sold on their ability as performers rather than a sketch costing £200,000.
1: Yeah, well, when you think of the League of Gentlemen, when they... Did their Edinburgh show that won the award. This was before this was before they did any series. The series got commissioned off the back of their sketch show, where I think it was them and I think it was tape to like stick their noses up and the occasional jacket to show like a character change. So it's always been like a sort of DIY thing, but then commissioners got behind it.
0: You've hit the nail on the head there. That, that is literally what they did. And then, obviously, when you watch the League of Gentlemen TV show, in my opinion, one of the greatest comedy shows of all time, the you know, I mean, it's shot so beautifully. The budget is there. I mean, you still watch those now. You know, there's some. I mean, the the card game where they're stitching up the guy uh, is go Johnny go 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 go. That sketch. I mean, it's <laughs> absolute all time class. Anyway, uh, you know what, Tim? At one point, I was worried that we hadn't answered Kate's email. I think we. <laughs> I think we've, we've sort of like delivered a TED talk on it. Uh, so we, we yeah, we do, we do take a point. TV habits have changed. But again, if we'll get, you know, I'm just, I mean, I'm just looking at more recent nominees and winners. And Tim, look at the likes of Widdicombe, Lysett, Ashling B, Kearns, Ramesh Ranganathan, uh, Lucy Beaumont, Nish Kumar, James A. Caster, uh, on and on and on. So there are lots of dudes who, who are. Hugely successful, you know. We talk about that golden generation, but but you know, for, you know, superb careers. And you know what, Tim? I bet some of those dudes, if they're listening, would they would dearly love to make their own League of Gentlemen, Garth Marenghi style passion project.
1: Oh my god, absolutely, yeah, yeah. There's some of those names you mentioned. They they were up in Edinburgh this year. It's like they still still love the the atmosphere, the whole. The parties, the hanging out, the ridiculous extra gigs. They love it.
0: Another ABC comedian writes, uh, I'm 70-30 in favour of never going again. It's always a good barometer to see how you're doing, and if I was working up a tour, I know it would make me match fit, but it would be going for personal reasons and not because I think it could offer me anything. If it goes back to being the sort of festival where you work things up, then great. Otherwise, no. That's a great answer. That is a great answer. I will touch on, I don't fully repeat what I said on the, on the part one of the bonus app, but the, the the that observation about how it is still great for the up-and-comers to get match fit. It's great for the huge names to get a tour match fit. It's just, it can be some of the dudes in the middle. Mind you, you know what, that this year actually sort of Pops a couple of holes in that little theory, doesn't it? Because there were there were some dudes who we'd previously not seen live, or we might have heard of, uh, but but they've they've actually come out of the festival, really strong names in comedy now.
1: Absolutely, this isn't necessarily responding to that point, but I I teched, um five shows over a month, and the difference in first performance for final performance. The improvements being made. I think that... Now, I wish it was as simple as The Fringe is very good because uh, it's comedians just being able to work on something. They just turn up with something and it improves day by day. Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way because it's all about getting reviews and awards for some people. Um, But just the... Improvements a comedian will make just by performing an hour to a different audience every night for a month. It's I still think that is something that is so important and something that only really happens in Edinburgh, certainly for that length of time. Now, is the fringe too long? Yes, I think it probably is at least a week too long. But I I just when I think about one of the shows especially. One of the shows had a drastic change being made in the final week and it improved the show tenfold. And I just think a comedian getting to explore that and like turn a show from one thing into another thing completely over a space of a month just by doing it every night is a brilliant thing. I love watching it. Maybe it's just my comedy nerdness in me, but... No, uh, that's that's important. Oh, also, Tim, we
0: must say sorry. We 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 want to say this m- much sooner. You know, I'll tell you what's happened, dear listener. Tim and I were privately panicking. We're, we're not even going to have ten minutes uh, of things to talk about, and it, I imagine you're listening to a heavily edited version because we've gone on. Thing we want to say up top:
1: huge and a half congratulations, of course, Ahir Shah. Oh my God! Of course, yeah. Been fair time being nominated, I believe, and. Yeah, everyone I've spoken to who's seen that show said richly deserved. Just a fantastic comedian. it has been great for years, and it's lovely to see him get an award, which I know will mean a lot to him. Yeah.
0: And also we you know, we know our here um from the we you know, we've done a lot of ninety-nines down the years. Uh he's done always be comedy. I've warmed up shows that he's been on. The thing with our here is one of those dudes who Obviously I was gonna say he's brilliant at doing a full show, just in case you, you in case the Edinburgh Award wasn't enough proof. Um he's obviously brilliant at doing a full show, but he's also a brilliant club comedian. And that, Tim, that's a that's a that's a a,
1: a special talent, isn't it? Yeah, I really love that several of the acts, um several of the acts nominated this year are proper. Don't say proper because
0: <laughs> no, but I know what you mean. It's a bit, you know, when you know when like older or more, you know more mature uh, former football managers and players they get they, they get flack for using this expression proper football people. Yeah, but I know I know exactly what me, they mean by that, and I think I use that expression. They're they're a proper comedy person, but I right, I'm going to put words in your mouth. You are referring to say an Ahir or an Andy Magliano or an Ian Smith, someone who. Yes, that they're nominated or winning uh, for a brilliant full show. But they also know how to roof a potentially tricky
1: Saturday night gig. Yes, absolutely. Phil Ellis is a circuit legend at this stage. Um, He's every weekend he'll be doing your stag do gigs and he will be able to do that brilliantly. He's also able to do... A show which a fringe audience can adore, and it was so wonderful seeing him get nominated. Is really, really brilliant. It's such a fantastic
0: show. Uh, We also have to give a shout, Janine Harouni, uh, another uh, ABC favourite, another terrific comedian, Um, and yeah, Phil Ellis, as you say, Tim, just one of those dudes. Just it's a phrase that I've heard Romesh use before. Uh, about certain comedians, funny falls
1: off him. And, and he's just imbued with that, isn't he? That's That was exactly it. If you saw that show, so much invention and creativity from someone who's just been good for years. And yeah, Phyllis. Really. He, he was, did always be comedy with, I think he had like a
0: frozen arm, right? He was clearly in a lot of pain. And he did a set with a frozen arm and there was a well-known comedy tv producer in the room that night who said to me for subsequent days after he was definitely doing a bit and i was like no 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 but but phil the reason why i share that is phil ellis is so funny that he's able to turn a what looked like a pretty bad injury into comedy gold and he was getting so many laughs out of the fact that he was in searing agony and he couldn't move his arm that people assumed that it was all part of the act it absolutely
1: was not part of the act Yeah, so Phil getting nominated, I really hope that will be uh, a real kick-on for him and the industry will realise that he is just just one of the funniest people going.
0: Yes. Um, Incredibly strong nominees. Tim, another bit of correspondence. Dean C. This is one of the dudes, uh, an absolute mensch throughout our lockdown shows uh, regarding edinburgh it writes in uh are there now alternative career routes for acts is the traditional model of open spots to live at the apollo changing and i think what so what dean means there is uh open spots would go for years would then do edinburgh would use edinburgh as perhaps a launch pad now something that we'd already talked about was the, the i'd mentioned the craig ferguson autobiography in terms of what edinburgh used to be like. However, <laughs> sounds like I'm contradicting myself. I would still say to him that there are examples of people who who were once open spots. They do the hard yards, if you, if you like. They have a blistering Edinburgh, and then have ended up doing live at the Apollo off the back of having a great Edinburgh. I'm going to say Thin Taylor would be one such example.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. What one of many examples. I still think. I don't know why I've gone with one example. <laughs> no, sorry, sorry, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't mean it
0: like that. I'm sorry, I remember, there was one Edinburgh in particular where it felt as though Finn had, you know, you know, you know, Edinburgh's, there's, there's an act where people, you know, people are going, Hey, such and such is the talk of the town. And there was one year where I, I was with an agent at the time, still friends. And he said to me uh, privately, Oh, Finn's, Finn is the act that everyone's talking about. And I think that I know that they dropped Finn an email to say, just so you know, I think you're the dude that's having a really interesting one this year. And then does a, Apollo. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that it was easy as ABC and that's not a plug for the, for our comedy night. I'm not, <laughs> saying, I'm not saying it was as straightforward as that, but that, that was just an example that popped into pop that came to mind.
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 I, I think, yeah, that route is definitely still a route, but even within Edinburgh, there's been a real, I think especially this year, there's been a thing where comedians who started on TikTok, so like doing sketches on TikTok, have been able to translate that into an hour long show in Edinburgh. So um, it's very interesting. My partner, she went to go see Laura Ramoso. Who I hadn't even heard of before because she was not really a live performer before. She was a TikTok comedian, so to speak. So she's putting out these sketches, you know, most days, which are like fantastic. And being able to translate that into an hour long show in Edinburgh, which ended up, we had to upgrade the venue three separate times because it just sold so well. And it wasn't just a Emperor's New Closing, shows were brilliant. Even within Edinburgh, there are different approaches.
0: We we, we must also mention. I, I feel we mentioned so many of the main prize nominees. We we must mention the others because it would look it would it would look like poor form if not. Uh, Emmanuel sunubi uh, as someone who's worked with uh, John Bishop uh, a lot down the years, I know that Emmanuel and John have, have done stuff together. He's just an absolute powerhouse performer. You know, great comedian, great stage presence. Uh, Julia, you'd seen her show, Tim. Just a
1: fantastic show, Julia Masley show. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to pick favourites, but it was my show for Fringe. I thought it was a beautiful, sort of incredible, ethereal show. What it's so hard to describe. It, I went on the night. It was given a five star review in the Guardian, so there was already a bit of hype coming into it. It was one of those nights where Frank Skinner's in. Adam Kay's in, we're stuffed into this basement at half past midnight to watch this Estonian clown. Like it, That's that's like an exciting fringe thing. It felt like a real buzzy show and it was perfect. One of the best things I've ever seen. Um, yeah, I thought it was just wonderful. That's coming to Soho next year and I think you must go if you're even near London, let alone in London.
0: And Kieran Hodgson, if I can scare Kieran to death, I've said this to his face actually. My, so my mother's maiden name is is Hodgson. I am half Hodgson. Kieran Hodgson looks so much like my granddad when my granddad was young and serving in the navy that part of me wonders if I mean yeah, I'm getting carried away. But Kieran Hodgson has uh, done ABC. But what a I mean, he's not just a great comedian. The dude is just <laughs> cut him in two, and there is talent like a stick of Blackpool rock. Um, if you've seen The Flash, he's got he's got a great role in that. Brilliant. Kieran Olsen is just
1: such a talented, uh, sweetheart. Tim. Yeah, that was the last show I saw of Fringe, and it was such a perfect way to end my Fringe. It was just, it's so great because so I the first time I ever saw him, it was in a tiny room, Kings Cross. It was a great show, but seeing him perform to hundreds of people who were all absolutely adore him at the end of the fringe was just perfect yeah a real talent uh the first ever tour i managed was kieran Hodgson's 75 tour so i got to see that show many times and yeah he just writes such incredible shows all so different and yeah he's just fantastic every one nominated this year was really brilliant i have to say panel were very honored this year
0: Tim, I'm, I'm well aware that we, we we went from worrying that we weren't going to hit 10 minutes to now we're worrying that we're going to emulate Mark Watson with a 36 <laughs> hour long show. We want to talk about the best newcomers again, uh, uh, some absolute bangers in there, uh, a couple of bits of correspondence that we didn't get to. Apologies, and th- but thank you for everyone uh, for writing in. Tim,
1: was there anything else? Well... Such a big topic, there's so many things But my hopes for next year I hope uh, It's cheaper to get to I hope it's <laughs> cheaper to stay in um, But I'm really Encouraged From this year I had a wonderful time I thought, had a great, great time Saw so many good shows Such a variety of shows is really lovely seen Purely funny stand-up being celebrated as much as it was probably, Maybe most it's been this year you know what that
0: is you're absolutely right that's a big thing actually isn't it purely funny purely funny stand up winning awards getting nominated getting bums on seats even if even if uh, certain shows weren't nominated but there were pu- we know there were purely funny stand ups having great fringes
1: yeah absolutely it was it was what you want a fringe to be you can have your Uh, theatrical shows which take in all sorts of things, doing very well, and you can also have uh, one comedian, one microphone, and a single spotlight on them, and it does just as well. It was something for everyone, and that's what I want The Fringe to always be. Oh, Tim.
0: The final word goes to Tim Lewis. Glorious, as always. Uh, Tim, I'll be honest with you, we were worried uh, five minutes before pressing record... That I hope the listener enjoyed that half as much as we uh, enjoyed. There were, there were times where we were on a tightrope, but we'll go with enjoyed. Uh, <laughs> that without you were great there, Tim. Thanks very much.
1: Oh, you are great there, too. Um, so a lot of insight for someone who's in Spain. Thanks very much. A lot of insight for someone who's
0: bright red. Um, but no, I, I, you know, we we keep our ear to the ground. Is that the phrase? Uh, but yeah, it's imp- we, it's our job, Tim, to be across all this sort of thing, isn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, it's Well, look, <laughs> this is less message of Edinburgh, but I love that. The thing I know most about is my job. The second final word goes to Tim Lewis. <laughs> uh, as always,
0: uh, get in touch with the team at alwaysbecomedy.com. Uh, five house points to Tim for doing a and a on Instagram, that worked out very well. Uh, thank you for those questions. Uh, my wife left a question, which was, "I don't remember you telling me that you were recording a bonus episode of the podcast." <laughs> She's not listening, but if she is, I know that some of her friends listen, and I would like to say sorry, uh, Tim. Oh, rate, review, subscribe, all that malarkey. Absolutely. Cheers, guys. We'll see you. Uh, we'll see you soon. Oh, you mate, soon. this Tuesday. This Tuesday's episode, if you like. We're not going to spoil who it is, but Tim and I we, we, we've done we've done the episode, obviously, but we keep talking about how good the guest was. Our first American, and she
1: was just brilliant. You're gonna love it. You're gonna love it. Cheers, dudes. Bye, bye, bye.